Welcome to the Social Dallas Podcast. Today you'll hear an uplifting message from our pastor, Robert Madu. Our hope is that you would not only feel inspired, but that your relationship with God would flourish like never before. Last week we kicked off an incredible series and my wife preached. Can you help me thank God for Pastor Taylor Madu? I don't even know if we introduced who we were. My name is Robert. That was my wife, my boo, who was standing next to me on stage earlier. And she really set up a series that I believe is integral and foundational for our church. We are a baby church, a baby church. We announced on Easter Sunday, we are seven weeks old, seven weeks old. And I'm gonna ride that for a long time, okay? We are just a seven week old baby. So if you had a bad experience, we seven weeks old, okay? <laughs> Give us some time. Give us some time. We're not even walking yet. But uh, we think it's important to make sure that we build on the right foundation. And so Taylor began a series called The Rest of Your Life. This Social Dallas is going to be a house that operates not out of striving, but out of resting. There's nothing more powerful than somebody who is confident and who is calm and who they are. And they're not striving. They're just resting. Nothing worse than somebody trying too hard because they don't know how to operate out of rest. And I believe this is going to set us up really to be your pastors for a long time. I told them at pre-service huddle, I plan on pastoring for a long time. I'm going to be 80 years old. You know black don't crack. I'm going to be 80 years old. Still on this stage at the Granada time. I don't know what you come to do. My kids going to be clowning me like, Dad, for real, stop. In order to be in it for the long haul, you have to be strategic when you rest. So that's what we're going to be looking at in this series. How do we operate out of rest? Now in this series, I'm going to ask you to do what you should do in every series, is to really open up your heart and allow God to speak to you with specificity. Some of you hear me, this series is going to save your life. It is going to save your life because you have been operating at a pace that is not sustainable. And hear me, if you do not stop and break, you will break. See. You can either choose to rest voluntarily or you can choose to rest involuntarily and be in a hospital and be stressed out. You've got to learn how to pause, how to sabbat. Now some of you, I want you to keep coming, but you might not need this series because you've already been living this series <laughs> for a long time. You, you, you just rest all the time. You wake up at the crack of noon. You take multiple days off and you playing video games all the time. So for you, you need to do what the psalmist said, work, 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 because you've been arrested <laughs> your whole life. So I still want you to come, but you might need to get to work. But we're going to be in this series. It's going to be good. In fact, I want you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's word. We'll jump straight into it. I want you to go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5. And I'm going to look at verses 12 through 15, and then we'll go over to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 11, and we'll look at verses 28 through 30. When you're ready to read it, say, yeah. yeah. If you're not ready, say, hold up. Oh, that was a strong hold on, brother. I'm going to wait for you. It is on one, two, three screens. So if you can't find it, just look on the stage. And look at what it says. It says, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, 
nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, even animals have to rest according to God. Nor any of your foreign residing, neither the foreigners residing in your town, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Can you say amen? amen. Go with me to Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. This is Jesus talking, and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can you say amen? Oh, that's some good stuff right there. That is some good scripture. I appreciate those six claps. <laughs> it's cool. You're weary. You're weary. <laughs> I, uh, I want to continue this series the rest of your life by preaching to you not long tonight, not long, about two and a half hours, uh, just using this as a title, Resisting Arrest. Resisting arrest. Look at your neighbor, whichever one looks the friendliest. Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at them right in their face and say, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Stop resisting arrest. Come on, look at your other neighbor that you completely ignored. Look at them. Come on. Say, other neighbor. I'm telling you, you would live if you would just stop resisting arrest. If you believe God's going to speak to you, would you give him some praise up in here? Jesus, speak tonight. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Resisting arrest. Ladies and gentlemen, it is wedding season right now. It is officially wedding season. We are in 2021. Restrictions are being lifted. People are actually able to have weddings again. First of all, shout out to all the people who got married in 2020. Anybody in here, you got married in 2020? Hey, it was hard. It was hard telling your family members to get on Zoom. I know you missed them, but it was good for that budget, wasn't it? Woo, save some money on that wedding. It's, it's different now because people are getting married. It is wedding season. It's wedding season here at Social. I have like five weddings I'm doing in the next four months, I think. Five weddings. One of them being my sister. Shout out Ashley Madhu. She just got engaged. This weekend, Adriana and her fiance, Jamal, are getting married. I'm doing their wedding. Hannah and Chandler are getting married. Hallelujah. Miss Moore, they're getting married. <laughs> He's going to be jumping. You thought he was praising before. Chandler really about to be praising. It, it, it's, it's wedding. It's wedding season. And I personally love weddings. I love weddings. All the married men in the room, let me tell you, when your wife says, oh, they're having a wedding, do not fight. Go to the wedding, okay? I learned this. I learned this. There's nothing like a date to a wedding with your wife because there's something that happens when she sees love. It will be a good night for you if you go with your wife. <laughs> to the wedding. I love weddings, and I particularly like 
some looks at the wedding. I look for things at weddings. One thing I look for, and really the minister is the only one who gets the vantage point of this look, is when the music starts playing and the groom is standing at the front, and all of a sudden the bride starts walking in and everybody stands up and they look at the bride as they should. But I look at the groom. I look at the groom because there is a face that the groom makes as she, what seems like in slow motion, just starts walking down the aisle. He has never seen her look this good before in his entire life. And I'm telling you, if you watch his face as she gets closer and closer, when that bottom lip starts to quiver, I love that look. I look for that look. And then I look for the look where she noticed him. He's watching her. And then she looked. It's, it's a beautiful look. I look for that look at every wedding. Another, we another look I look for is not in the wedding. It's at the reception. Nothing I look for. I look for people who are on the dance floor at the reception who have no business being on the dance floor. <laughs> Have you seen these people? Oh, I look for these people who are on the dance floor and should not be on the dance floor. I respect the people who know their lane, who know their role. They know they can't dance, so you say, you know what, y'all go ahead. No, I'll, I'll take a picture, I'll record it. I'm just gonna sit on the side with my Shirley Temple. I respect those people. Oh, but y'all people that are on the dance floor, they got a whole lot of confidence, but no rhythm. Y'all make my night. I look for y'all. I look for y'all so I can get a laugh. I know they say dance like nobody's watching. Please believe I'm watching. I am watching you trying to figure out how you are that uncoordinated. Trying to figure out why is your body doing that move to that song. I've seen this person before, and I understand we are very diverse here at, at Social Dallas. We are multi-generational, multicultural. So I know when I talked about that person, you immediately pictured a person in your mind, okay? And you probably pictured the skin tone of that person. Don't do that. Don't do that, okay? Please. Because understand that just because you have more melanin doesn't mean that you got some moves, okay? Let's keep it 100. This is what I actually love about dancing. Because dancing is like love and laughter. It's universal. It is universal. You understand? It transcends cultures. Dancing is diverse, just like dialects. I've seen all kinds of different dances at different types of women. Nigerian dances. Just kidding me. Just get Russian weddings. And they up here getting all that Jewish wedding. They're doing the salsa at Latino weddings. Black weddings doing the Cupid shuffle. And the electric slide, cowboy weddings. Same electric slide, just a little bit tighter with Wranglers on. <laughs> but I, lo I love seeing the dance. But I promise you, in all those cultures, you will see one person who just can't get. It's, it's like their body is at war with the beat, and they can't. <laughs> they can't get it together, and that is hilarious to me. That is never not funny. Always laugh at it, and it's funny. But it's actually not, because I've learned that it's actually neurological. It's neurological. Because you understand that dancing begins in your brain before it happens in your body. Yeah, music, the rhythm is an external stimuli that once you experience it, your brain processes it, and then it makes the moves. Music is really nothing but the culmination of melodies coming together and a specific beat. So dancing is really the perfect amalgamation 
of the music, your mind, and your moves coming together at the right time. <laughs> so whether you have rhythm or not is really contingent upon you hitting the move at the right time. That's why when you watch people that don't have rhythm, you're looking at them, and God help them when the DJ switches the song. Because <laughs> you're looking at them going, if you would have done the dance you're doing now, <laughs> like two dances ago, you actually would be on rhythm. But rhythm has to do with time. Rhythm is about time. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, your God is a God of rhythm. He has a rhythm. He has a time. He has a tempo. He has a cadence. He has a pace that he set up in creation. Before he even formed humanity, God set up a rhythm. And the rhythm goes. That is the rhythm of God. When I read the book of Genesis, I don't read Genesis. I hear Genesis. I hear the rhythm and the cadence and the pace of God. He set up a rhythm in creation before he created humanity, which suggests to me that it is on humanity to make sure that you are in line and in sync with the tempo and the rhythm of God. It is not your job to get God to get in sync with your tempo and your rhythm. It is your job to get in sync and get in alignment with God's tempo and with God's rhythm. Oh, preach it here tonight, Robert. He has a rhythm. And I know some of you don't like that because you want God to get in sync with your rhythm because you're a producer, right? You, you, you're producing some things. So you're like, God, why don't you get in sync with my rhythm? I told you I needed a job right now. So please give me a job. I told you I needed a spouse right now. So and you're trying to get God to get in sync with your rhythm because you are a producer. And that's cute that you're a producer, but you are not a creator. God is a creator. And even in creation, he had a rhythm. creator spoke out of nothing and created something. God, the creator, the one that created the world with his words, the one who <laughs> coughed and galaxies showed up in the sky. I'm telling you, your God is powerful because he's not a producer, he's a creator. He said, let there be light and light showed up. Light didn't even pause to ask God, how bright do you want me to shine? What wattage do you want me to be? No, light just showed up because God said it. He said, let there be water. And water didn't even waste a nanosecond to say, well, what hue of blue do you want me to be? No, water already knew what blue it was supposed to be when God spoke it. Because all of those things are details. And God's word is so perfect that when he speaks something, encapsulated within his word are the details of the word. because you keep asking God for details. You're trying to get details from God. You need to be getting a word from God because if you get a word from God, God says, I'll take care of all the details. Oh, I'm a preacher whether y'all feel it or not. People that got a word from God, they never ask for details. Noah didn't ask God, how was the rain gonna feel? He just built an ark. Moses didn't ask God, how you gonna make the ground 
to see. He just lifted up his hand. Joshua didn't ask God, how loud does the shout need to be for the wall to come down? He just got a word to shout because when you get a word, God will give you the detail. I'm telling you, you're worried about details. You better just get a word. I'm living this thing right now. I am living this thing. God just said, plant a church. I thought, God, we ain't got no building. Plant a church. Because he'll give you a word. He won't give you the details. But encapsulated within the word are the details. Because in his creation, he has a rhythm. And the rhythm goes... Y'all think I'm playing, but I'm preaching. That's the rhythm of creation. Did you count the? That is creation. He created the world in six days, but on the seventh day, he, he rested. That's the rhythm of God. He never created the world with a but that's how some of your lives are right now that's techno and no wonder you about to lose your mind because that is not the rhythm of God he said in between the there must be a pause there must be a Sabbath it means to cease. It is the pause before the next that gives the next power. If you never take the time to, you will lose your mind. If you don't learn how to break, you will break. That's why we're gonna spend the next maybe two months in this series just talking about the Sabbath the rest of God. And it's gonna be hard because this is actually antithetical to our culture today, isn't it? Oh, come on, we live in a culture of get it. We live in a culture of hustle. We live in a culture like you better get on your grind. You better make it happen. You better keep going. You better keep doing it. And it is driving us crazy. It's crazy, this week, this week, as I'm preaching this message, uh, Elon Musk tweeted this, he tweeted this. This tweet got 4.7 million likes, 582,000 shares. This is Elon Musk, look at what uh, Mr. Tesla said. Working 16 hours a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks in a year, and people still calling me lucky. And so many people reposted that, because they're like, yeah, they don't know. I'm on my grind. But here's the power, here's the problem rather, with that mentality. It idolizes your effort. It makes an idol of your hustle, of your grind. But the power of a Sabbath is for you to look at your life and do some introspection and do an internal audit to say, yes, I was hustling, but it was God's hand behind my hustle. 
Yes, I was grinding, but if it had not been for the grace of God, I would have lost my mind. Yes, I was working. Please don't get it twisted. But God was working out some things that I know wouldn't have come to pass if his hand had been behind the scenes. I'm telling you, there is power in a Sabbath because the pause makes you give the glory to the one who made it possible. But we love tweets like this because it idolizes our effort. It idolizes, I did that. I made that. I built that. The power is not in your strength. The power is in the Sabbath. The power is in the pause. And if you're not careful, this undercurrent of uneasiness that gnaws at all of our souls to do more, be more, Say more, make more, post more. It will make you lose your mind. I'll never forget a friend of mine. I won't put his name in the sermon because a lot of people watch this on YouTube. But uh, a <laughs> friend of mine, I'll never forget it one day. Uh, we talking, he's like, hey, hey, how's the engagement? I said, the engagement? I said, bro, I've been married to Taylor eight years. What are you talking about engagement? He's like, no, 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 your social media. How's the engagement? I said, man, I don't know. He said, give me your phone. Takes my phone, goes to my Instagram, and does this like, like video game cheat code thing. He did this, like this swipe. And all of a sudden, I saw all these charts that I've never seen before, and all these little analytics. I was like, man, how did you do that? He's like, yeah, I'm checking. I'm checking your engagement. He's like, wow. I said, what? He said, this is bad. I said, it's bad? He said, yeah. He said, for the followers you have, you should have way more engagement than this. I thought I was getting diagnosed with a bad disease or something. I was like, you for real? He's like, yeah, this is, this is bad, this is bad. I said, what do I do, man? Tell me what I need to do. He said, you gotta post more. You gotta post more. He said, you, you don't post enough. That's, that's why, you don't post enough. I said, I gotta post more? He's like, yeah, we need more, Robert. Post more content, content, content. You gotta post more, you gotta post more. I said, all right, all right, I'll post more. He said, no, I'm serious. He said, Robert, if you do not post more, because of the algorithm, he got real serious. He said, Robert, people might not see your post for another three days. I said, for real? He said, for real? He said, if you don't post enough, they might not see your post ever. I said, oh my God. I'm having a nervous breakdown. I still hear his voice in my head now talking about post more, post more, the algorithm. Post more, post more, post more, the algorithm. About to lose my mind over an algorithm? Gotta wake, don't even got a thought to say, but I gotta say so, hey, y'all, man, it's a day, ain't it? <laughs> For an algorithm? I'm done, I told him, look, don't, don't get it twisted. I wanna be relevant, I wanna get the gospel out, I listen to hip hop, I'm off of the TikTok, I wanna do it all, but I am not gonna die and lose my peace trying to keep up with an algorithm. I was not created for an algorithm, I was created for God's rhythm, and God's rhythm is the one that will keep me in my right mind. Sabbath, the Sabbath, the pause is what will help you keep peace in a world that is so chaotic. When was the last time you took the time to reflect on your life? You cannot audit it if you are in it. There must be a cessation, a pause 
to step back and analyze, why do I do what I do? Is this what I need to be doing in this season of my life? This is why 2020 jacked all of us up. Because God made all of us Sabbath. He made all of us pause. And some of you in an in-home shelter place order realize that the devil is not the one destroying your life. It's the one you keep looking at in the mirror every single day. And when everything was shut down and you couldn't take a trip and you couldn't go anywhere, you were forced to look at yourself. This is the power of the ah. And God rested. Why did God rest? Obviously, he wasn't tired. This is a God who does not get weary. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. So why are you resting? I think, first of all, because he was done. He was done. He created the world in six days, created Adam and Eve, and looked back at it and said, not only is that good, it's complete. I'm done. Since I'm done, I'm going to rest. Any perfectionist in the room? Can I see your hand? Perfectionist? Yeah, okay. Okay, let that be the last time you lift up your hand. No, I'm for real. Because there's only one perfectionist. God is the only perfectionist. See, you call yourself a perfectionist, you're really a control freak. perfectionist and even the perfectionist went that's good I'm done thank God that the only true perfectionist knew that is complete it doesn't get any better thank God he created the world and not you and I we still be waiting on the world right now because is that the right shade of green for the trees and I can't get this sunset right we would still be waiting on the world if we created because perfectionists, AKA control freaks, you gotta have your hand in it. There's another reason why 2020 jacked you up. Cause you didn't know what to say. Cause you couldn't control it. My favorite thing during the pandemic was to watch experts not know what they talking about. Glasses and everything, yes. If you're just, uh-huh, and it's on the surfaces, so keep the surfaces clean. Next day, oh, I'm sorry, no, not the surfaces. It's actually in the air, so just hold your breath and uh, keep your mask on. Actually, never mind, no, take it off, take it off. Don't wear the mask. I just wish the whole 2020 somebody would have said, yo, I don't know, I don't know. I'm trying to figure stuff out, I don't know. Matter of fact, I quit, I resign. Somebody else do this, CDC. Call G-O-D, I don't know what to do. God knew how to look at something and say that is done. I love it because even if you're an atheist and you don't attest to the fact that there is a God, your biology will tell you that you must stop. That's why you go to sleep every night. And guess what? While you're asleep, the world is still spinning. Things are still going on with you. <laughs> Things are still working it out because it's not about your control. God said, I'm done. Another reason he rested was to take delight in what he made. He wasn't just done. He had to take delight. Hold up. He created the earth 
in six days, created Eve on the sixth day. So that means, wait a minute, on the seventh day when he rested, this is Adam and Eve's first day in a whole new world. And what is their responsibility on the first day in a whole new world? Rest. The first thing they did as created beings was to rest. He told them to be fruitful and multiply, but before they could be fruitful and multiply, they had to rest to take delight in what God created. As if God is saying to us, you cannot be fruitful until you first take delight in what I've done. You cannot be fruitful in your life unless you have the mindset that takes delight in the things that God has created. If you don't take delight, you can't be fruitful. You'll be busy, but you won't be fruitful. See, this is a problem. We have confused busyness for fruitfulness. And you think just because you're busy, you're fruitful. No, this is what happens in our culture. We have, ooh, we think that busyness is synonymous with significance. That's why whenever you talk to somebody, how you doing? Oh man, man, I'm just really, everybody busy. They'll tell you that out of exhaustion or they'll tell it to you braggadociously. Like, hey, how's it going? Oh, whole lot, yeah, about to drop my album next week. Uh, clothing line coming after that. Uh, got six meetings tomorrow, gotta fly to Paris this afternoon. Paris? It's the pandemic. No, Texas, Paris, Texas. But then I'm back this evening. Uh, got, my, got my book coming out. Why are they bragging? Because they think busyness is synonymous with fruitfulness. Corey Tim Boone said that if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. And the reason that busyness and sin are synonymous is because both break your connection to God. Both of them make you stop taking delight in what he's done. I can see Adam and Eve, I can see them almost like it's a wedding, the first day. He said, don't, don't run out yet, just, just take delight. Adam, I just made her, look at her. And he's, that lips started quivering. They're just staring at each other. Then they go out and they're perusing the whole food market, just looking at all the trees, taking delight. If you don't take delight, you'll start doing things out of duty. Oh, and there's nothing worse than doing something out of duty instead of delight. See, delight takes discipline. Oh, especially in this culture today, this negative, frustrated, annoyed culture. You have to have discipline to take delight because delight is disruptive. Can I take my time tonight? I really feel this thing. Our culture is so addicted to negativity that you have to be disciplined to have delight. We're addicted to negativity. You ain't seen one news story yet talking about how the numbers have been going down with the virus. Why not, why not put a ticker talking about how they're going down? But when it was going, we had numbers. Like, it's going up. You're about to die today. Because we're addicted to negative. It, it's actually a theory. It's called negative news. They're trying to show you positive stuff. If you want to mess up somebody's life, just walk in delightful. Just walk in, you want to mess somebody up, just be delight. Delightfulness in this culture is disruptive. It is. Ooh, 
ever had somebody, you ever had somebody hit you up like, this is how negative our culture is. This always makes me laugh. And I feel like I get this question sometimes. A lot of times. You ever had somebody hit you up with this? They'll be asking maybe about a person. Let's say a person. They'll say, hey, hey, psst, come here. Hey, hey, psst, come here. Hey, hey, come here, come here. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, j- just between us. Just between us. Hey. <laughs> what you really think about her? What you really think about her? Anybody ever hit you with one of those? Hey, hey, hey. What you really think about that church? What you, you ought to mess somebody up with one of those. They'll say, oh, I think she's awesome! I think she's incredible! You know when they hit you with that, what you really think? They are trying to get you to tap into that sick, insidious, negative thing that is in all of us. It always wants to report the negativity. That's why you have to be careful. Even with people that you love, and because you've known them for a long time, you know all their flaws. And you will do them a disservice to go talk about them to somebody else who hadn't even met them yet. And they ask you about them, you're like, ah, pff, let me tell you about her. I know her. Don't hit them with the negative thing. Be different. Even if it's one thing you can find delight, tell that. Don't say, man, they breath stink. Don't tell that. Say, man, they're funny. Oh, they're they going to make you laugh. Bro, he's hilarious. Don't tell me his breath stinks. Tell me he's hilarious. I might be able to handle the funky breath if I'm going to laugh. People love negativity. Nobody wants to take delight. When you don't take delight, you do stuff out of duty. And you start making this negative statement. I have to do this. I have to go to work. I have to go. Work out. But as somebody that used to have their legs and can't use them anymore, would give anything to go for a run. I have to work out. I get to work out. We say it before every huddle here at Social Dallas because it's a part of our culture. We put our hand in the huddle every single service and we say, we get to do this. And it's cheesy and it feels very pep rally. (laughs) But it isn't necessary for the culture. There's nothing worse than somebody serving the church. I have to do this. I have to usher. Oh my goodness, please go to somebody else's church if that's your heart. I would do it myself. Putting out a chair. I have to set up these chairs. I will set up the chair myself. Give me somebody just, ooh, I get to set up this chair. Somebody gonna sit in this chair and get saved tonight. Somebody gonna get to sit in this chair tonight and they walked in getting ready to kill themselves, but they gonna sit in this chair and they gonna get hope tonight. They gonna get life tonight. Ooh, let me make sure this ain't wobbling because I don't want them to fall out and mess up their head. Then they can't hear the word. Ooh, I get to do this. They took delight. As a matter of fact, The fall of man started because the enemy got Adam and Eve to stop taking delight in what God had done. You understand, the fall of man, you cannot reduce it to eating fruit. It's not when they fail. I mean, it's when they fail, but that was the fruit. It wasn't actually the fruit, that was the fruit. I lose some of you. If it was chewing an apple or whatever it was, 
If that was the sin, chewing would be a sin today. It's what preceded eating the fruit. It's what the enemy got in their mind. And he tries to get in your mind too. The enemy got this melody in their mind. Here's his favorite melody. God is not for you, and he's keeping something from you. That's his favorite melody. Because once that melody gets lodged in your mind, that God is not for you, and he is keeping something from you, all that is left is for your body to make a movement of disobedience. Because you say, I can't trust him. And when they made that movement and sin entered the world, they looked like the person on the dance floor. can't get in sync that's what sin did it got us out of sync with the law of God it got us out of rhythm it was in the Garden of Eden that this song was produced dance to the beat of your own drum <laughs> not God's beat do whatever you hear in your head brings me to my text. All that was my intro. <laughs> we read in the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy the law that was broken. The children of Israel broke the law. Adam and Eve broke the law. Which makes me believe that the Ten Commandments Although Moses got them from the mountaintop, they had to be encapsulated within the commandment that God gave in the garden. Because in order for you to sin, law must be established. So it didn't happen at Mount Sinai getting the law. God already had an order, a system for the way his world works. Because he created it. You can deny his existence. The same way you can say, yeah, I don't want to put no gas in my car. I'm going to use maple syrup. You can do that all you want. <laughs> Get gas. It's a special car. I'm going to put maple syrup. Do <laughs> well, all you want. But you didn't create the car. There's a design. Speaking of car, did I tell you I got a ticket? I got a ticket two weeks ago. I got a ticket two weeks ago. On my way to social. On my way to social. True story. I get a ticket on the way to service. Now, let me say this before I tell you about why I got a ticket, okay? I am a horrible driver, okay? Anybody that has been in the car with me, and I hear somebody saying amen over there in this section, shut up. Um, I, I'm proud of being a bad driver, okay? I'm a bad driver because I'm a deep thinker, okay? There's a lot of sermons that go on and illustrations go on on this head. So sometimes I'm driving, I'll just blank out and I'll just be thinking of stuff. Not only that, I got a truck, I got an aftermarket exhaust in my truck. It's a Ram truck. The, the exhaust is the, is, the, is the horn. You know, on the battlefield in the Bible days, they, the, 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 the shofar. That was the, I feel like I'm doing battle in my truck. I got to, and you got you to gotta rev it up a little bit. Did I just take that scripture out of context? I don't know. But deep thinker, blank out, always revving up, bad combination. True story, Social Dallas Sam. I'm on my way to service, 6 p.m. service. I'm driving, I'm thinking about my message. And as I'm thinking about my message, I look in my rearview mirror and I see lights. 
I'm like, that can't be for me. I'll just keep driving. I'm thinking, this is a true story. I keep driving, and the lights are still flashing. Finally, on the intercom, pull over the car now. Oh, that is for me. I pull over on the side of I-75. Oh, he was hot. He was so mad. He came straight to the window. He said, did you not see me? What's wrong with you? Did you not see me following you for the last five minutes? I said, officer, no, sir, I did not. I said, first of all, good evening, officer. I was not aware or cognizant of the fact that you were following me for five minutes. As a matter of fact, I didn't think that was for me because it's a rarity and oddity that I'm ever pulled over in the first place. Would you like for me to retrieve my insurance? Oh, I get real articulate when I get pulled over. I get very articulate trying to live in this piece. I just, <laughs> I'm like, sir. <laughs> articulate. He said, I've been following you for three minutes. I said, I'm so sorry. I just, I said, I'm a, I said, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. True story. <laughs> I said, I'm a pastor. He literally, he literally looked in the car at my J's and my sweatshirt. He said, you're a pastor. Man, I need a collar or something. I need something different. I said, yes, sir. I promise I'm a pastor. He said, what's the church's name? I said, Social Dallas. He said, Social Dallas. He said, where's your church? Granada Theater? He said, Granada Theater? I said, on, on Greenville, Granada Theater on Greenville Avenue. I said, yes, sir. He said, get out the car. Get out the car. No, I'm playing. He didn't say that. <laughs> he goes back. I'm like, all oh, the pastor thing worked. No, he came back with a whole ticket. This is my ticket right here, a whole ticket. Why does my ticket look like the Ten Commandments right here? Gave me a ticket, and rightfully so, rightfully so, I went. <laughs> the 6 p.m. <laughs> he gave me a ticket, rightfully so, because, hear me, I went past the limit. I went past the limit. Yeah. You ever seen one of these? There's a limit. I went past it. You understand when you drive past a speed limit sign, it is preaching to you. That limit sign is communicating something. Number one is communicating the character and concern for the city that you're in. The fact that there is a limit means that the officials in that city met with the Department of Transportation and understood that for the safety of all drivers, there must be a limit for the safety of everybody. Not only that, it communicates the propensity and the disposition of a lot of drivers. Because void of this limit, they know you would be making up songs in your head and making up sermons in your head, and they know your car goes beyond 75. And so since they know that propensity is in you, and if the sign wasn't there, you would go as fast as you want to go. They put the sign for the limit. It communicates their care and their concern. It communicates your propensity to go beyond the limit. Do you see the power 
and the commandments that God gave us, they're his limits. They reveal his character and they reveal your propensity as a fallen humankind to go against it. He says, don't lie, because he is the truth. He knows in a tight spot, you're going to lie. He says, don't envy, because he is confident and a secure God. And he knows you'll be scrolling on the ground. Talking about, that kid's got them a car for Mother's Day. Y'all got some flowers? <laughs> what intrigues me about those limits, those Ten Commandments, is that nine of them are about morality. The Sabbath is different. The Sabbath seems to be about your sanity, about your mentality. Because God is saying, first of all, it's the only commandment where he says, be like me, because I rested. But he's also speaking to the fact that left to yourself, you will keep going and you won't stop. The Sabbath is a stop sign. So before you crash your life, you can stop and look both ways. When was the last time you came to a complete stop and looked both ways? I bet you ain't done it since your driver's ed class. <laughs> I mean, a full stop, had, when you were trying to get your license, Please stop. But if you don't stop, if you don't break, you will break. How's your Sabbath? How's your Sabbath? I got to stop because we're going to spend a whole lot of time talking about this. But this had to be implemented within the children of Israel because don't forget who these people are. They were slaves for 400 years. 400 years, they never got a day off. God takes them out of Egypt, but the process before their rest in the Promised Land is to get Egypt out of them in the wilderness. And in order to get Egypt out of them, they must have limits. They must have limits. That's why they had to get Ten Commandments. And even within those limits, they had to rest. He said, I know for 400 years you never got a day off, but you got to take a day off. If I had time, I'd take you to Exodus 16. The first time we see the word Sabbath. Read it when you get to the crib. Exodus 16. You remember what God did? He made Panera bread. <laughs> Fall from the sky. Read it when you get home, every day. Bread fell from the sky, manna. Remember what happened on the sixth day? First time you see the word Sabbath. On the sixth day, he gave them twice as much bread because he said, on the seventh day, I don't want you going out there trying to collect more. On the seventh day, you must stop. You have to rest. He even tells them later in the verse, if you go out, you ain't going to get nothing. And they still went out. Read it when you get to the crib. Someone like, oh, whatever, I'm grown. Still went out on the seventh day. And there was nothing. Because God will not bless the fruit of your labor if you are disobedient to his word. They were out there on the seventh day and nothing showed up. You don't want to read Exodus 16? Okay, you don't want to read Exodus 16? That's cool. Just go to Chick-fil-A 
today. <laughs> Just go to Chick-fil-A. I don't even need Bible for this. Chick-fil-A will preach Exodus 16 to you. $10 billion grossed, one of the most lucrative fast food business in the nation. And they closed on Sunday. Guess who's open on Sunday? Popeyes is open. Now, Popeye's getting money, but they ain't getting Chick-fil-A money. See, that's the power of being obedient to God. You'll have some semblance of success, but you won't really be blessed until you obey his word. God says, I got a blessing that you ain't got to be ashamed about. You ain't got to be embarrassed about. You ain't got to sleep with nobody for it. You can actually drive in it and have peace. You can walk around the house and have joy in it. Because it is a principle in the law that if you don't rest, you don't get the blessing. How is your Sabbath? Worship team, join me. I think our culture is just like the children of Israel. The children of Israel were such a slave in Egypt that they thought that their value, hear me, please don't miss this, they thought their value was connected to their production. In slavery, in Egypt, the image of God that was on them was reduced and marred because the Egyptians looked at them as equipment. And anytime you think that your value is in what you produce, you'll keep producing. And you won't stop. And you'll keep going. Somebody like, I'm not a slave, I'm free. Mm. I ain't got no Pharaoh. Oh, you got a Pharaoh? You got a Pharaoh? I'll prove it to you. Somebody give me your Pharaoh real quick. Can I see your Pharaoh? Let me see your Pharaoh real quick, loud. Can I see your Pharaoh? Yeah, let me see your Pharaoh. <laughs> That's your Pharaoh. Just call it your phone. Because whenever it calls, you answer, don't it? Never got a notification. You look at it, don't you? This is what our culture has turned into. Because of technology, the Egyptians had the latest technology of their time. You can work anywhere now, at any moment. People have lost their mind. You know there was a time before there was a Pharaoh, a cell phone? People will text you at two in the morning and be mad. You didn't get my text? Homie, it was two in the morning. They will email you at all times of the night expecting that you have to answer. And you do. Because it's your Pharaoh. When it calls, you answer. It won't let you go, and you won't let it go. You ever forgot your phone? You start twitching. <laughs> no, we got to turn around. We 40 minutes away. now. turn around, man. I need it. I need it. I'm telling you, if you don't break, you will break. We're going to be talking about practical ways all throughout this series of how you can Sabbath, how you can rest. We're not going to get religious with it because Sabbath looks different for different people. That was a problem with the Pharisees. They got religious with it, and the Sabbath became a burden. But there has to be a day. If you can't start with a day, start with a few hours. 
and it's going to look different. The Sunday can't be my Sabbath day. I'm working. Stuff don't come natural. You got to study this stuff. <laughs> this is work. But tomorrow, holla at your boy. Don't text me. You have to have a time to cease. Do you know your phone, the airplane mode? You know it works when you're not on the airplane. You ought to try it. Do it for two hours. Do it for two hours. It'll change your life. Our culture is losing its mind because we don't know how to Sabbath. Some of you can't Sabbath because you're too stimulated. Just always stimulated so you never Sabbath. Always sensory overload. You just wake up to get a stimulant. Go to Starbucks and they'll offer it to you. Right, want an extra shot? Want some crack? We got some of that too. You want us to add in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in there. I'm just trying to make it. Crushing carbs all day to turn into sugar. Don't work out. Have a Red Bull for lunch and then wind down with a glass of wine and watch Netflix till you pass out. And then wake up in the morning to do it again. Wonder why, like, I don't have any peace. I wonder why. I don't know how to stop. Look at what Jesus says. He says, come to me all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Does that verse make you shout? Isn't it peaceful? I thought it was till I studied it. First of all, come to me, all who are weary, lets me know one thing, that the weary always run somewhere. If they didn't, he wouldn't have said, come to me. So if you're weary, I promise you, you're running to something. Some of you, it's a bottle. For some of you, it's a person. And you sit next to him. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> oh, that was Samson's problem. Remember Samson? We sexualized Delilah. You know the Bible never says they had sex? Read it when you get to the group. They never had sex. It was just a place where he laid his head when he was weary. And then one day he woke up bald-headed. <laughs> with no strength. Because he found his rest in her lap. Be careful where you find your rest. I don't know who this is for. There are people who know your patterns of weariness. She studied him. She, there are people that prey on your weariness. And they know. Yeah, she said we was going to break up for real. But yeah, it's been three months. And it's Friday. Boop. Oh, there it is. Think about you. People know your patterns of weariness. And they know you're going to come running to them. And they'll be smiling. But they got scissors in their back pocket. 
says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy. That's why I stopped shouting. Do you know what a yoke is? A yoke was handcuffs. No, neck cuffs for ox. They would put a yoke on their neck to restrict them. So remix the verse. Come to me, my handcuffs are gentle. You trying to handcuff me? Absolutely. Because they would yoke the weak ox next to the strong ox. And because they were yoked together, the weak ox would pull from the strength of the stronger ox. So yes, he's restricted. Yes, he's in a neck cuff, but he's connected to somebody that's stronger than him. And the person that he's stronger than is making sure that because they restricted him, they're going in the right path because the ox would go where it wanted to go. But as long as I'm connected to the one that's stronger, I'll go where I'm supposed to go. What are you saying, Robert? I'm saying as long as you are handcuffed to Jesus, you will find the strength that you need. As long as Jesus takes you captive, God says, I have a restriction that will actually bring you rest. I told you, stop resisting arrest. Stop resisting his arrest. He wants to take you captive so he can set you free and give you the rest you need. Stand to your feet. Is the only person that will take you captive to set you free. He is the only person who will put you in handcuffs. He's saying, Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're gonna put me in the car too? Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I don't believe I can make it out there on my own. I need you. I realize your way is better. Thank you. I'm not gonna resist the rest. I'm telling you, if you would come under the word of God and the limits he has for your life, I promise you, you would have the rest that your soul has been longing for. But as long as you keep fighting it, as long as you keep resisting it, you'll never have the Stop resisting arrest. No wonder Paul says, I am a prisoner of the gospel. He said, my yoke is easy, my burden. You mean I still got a burden? Yeah. Because freedom is not doing whatever you want to do. Freedom is doing what God made and created you to do. That's what freedom is. I said, Moses, go tell Pharaoh, I said, let my people go so they can worship me. It's not just let them go. No, it's let them go so they can worship. Freedom is not doing what I want. Freedom is doing what he made and created me to be. I don't know who this is for. God told me to tell you, stop resisting arrest. He's taking you captive 
so he can set you free. If you keep resisting, if you keep living your life, like to thank you for being a part of our social global family. Please head to our website, socialdallas.online, and see the many ways you can stay connected with us from around the world. Remember, when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to being social.